0: To punks and pubs, my name is Liam Bird. What's been going on, guys? Have you missed me? It's been a couple of weeks. I hope you're all feeling fresh and ready to face the world. That's what we need, positive thinking and a healthy mind. That's what I'm aiming for. That's what we should all be aiming for. But I never fucking reach it. Uh, one of the reasons I never reach it, because I've been dealing with a hangover for most of this week. I just got back from Rebellion Festival, where I had a cracking time interviewing good people of punk, and watching some great bands, and getting shit-faced. If you've never done Rebellion, by the way, and it's on your to-do list... Uh, do it in 2019 do it next year i think there's a deal going on for cheap tickets in a short period after rebellion so if it's on your to-do list then go in 2019 let's hang out and have a beer go over to rebellionfestival.com and go get some tickets also thank you to rebellion for hosting punks and pubs is very kind of them they don't have to they could have just turn their back on us but i again one of the reasons i love punk is the community and no matter how big a festival is it's still embraced small podcasts like this so thank Thank you to Rebellion. Episode 18 is me in a good old-fashioned northern pub with Henry Rabby, the punk poet, as he's been dubbed. I heard about Henry from a friend of mine who's a poet, and he sent me a link to Henry's Bandcamp audio, something I would recommend that you check out, by the way. I like what I heard, and I thought it would be something different from the podcast, a little bit highbrow, so to speak, do a bit of poetry. So I jumped up on the train, went to York in the north of England, and whipped out my mic, and you are about to hear the fruits of my labour. In this chat, you can expect rambling, of politics poetry and punk not really in that order i bang on about detroit band death for some reason henry talks about the parallels between his poetry and punk and the names john cooper clark and kate tempest will be mentioned a couple of times henry drops some knowledge on me about good punk protest music and at the end henry will end the podcast with a little dilly that he's written. As always, I end the show by giving you the space to play your music. This week we have a folk punk band from Sweden, so stick around for that and my normal rantings. But before that, there's this. Good people of Punks and Pubs, I give you episode 18 with Henry Rabby.
1: I've actually written a poem about about being people thinking that i'm called rabbi but that would be two b's that's like abby it just makes sense that that's how my name's pronounced and anyone who disagrees with me is wrong and i'm sure sh- but i'm sure the is a nice guy <laughs> yeah fuck you i know my name <laughs> anyway the voice that you are hearing there is uh
0: henry rabbi yep Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi. <laughs> um so thanks for doing this that's all right uh so for the people who are listening you might not know who you are you, you are billed as many things i from reading mm. uh you're known as like an anarchist punk fuck we are getting eaten by midgets
1: um Dom, nom, nom. they love us so much they they're so do, tasty right?
0: and we're at a pub in york i've traveled up to york and we're at the uh, golden ball pub and we were talking about before that i thought you that you chose in this pub because it's a cooperative mm-hmm. um where well, it turns out actually you just chose this pub because you wanted to get away from the main strip.
1: Yeah, so it, York on a Saturday is uh, a hub of knobheadery and uh, throughout the the day there'll be people like filling up in the bars on do, stagdoos and hen do's. Um and so the Golden Ball is a nice little retreat out of the way it's a lovely little cooperative pub and they do like a really nice open mic um, and you can kind of hire the space and it's just, just kind of uh, a lovely little um, sanctuary away from the main strip of, of Yorkness So what is your first lamp? punk or poetry um i always wrote stories and i always loved literature and reading and books and going to the theater uh, when i was little all the way up until um i was well to this day but like so punk came when i was about 16 which i've like kind of discovered is quite young some people like oh man i was loving blink 182 when i was 12 and (laughs) that that wasn't for me i kind of threw into it when i was much more of an adult and a lot of the whole thing of like ah like um You know, going to gigs was really hard because, like, oh, you know, they wouldn't let me in because I was, like, underage. Whereas, actually, I was just the right age to suddenly throw myself into going to gigs and that independence. So, uh, so people it, who started young did it wrong yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be <laughs> you disappointed being torn st- away from the door start, start the, at the right time which is when you're <laughs> 16 17 18 and then you don't have to wait any longer um so yeah i guess like uh, poetry and, and writing is my first love and then i kind of discovered the world of punk rock around 16 17.
0: we're going to talk about poetry later but i'm really interested in mm-hmm. talk about punk and, mm-hmm. and how it's inspired your work um so what was it about punk that like grabbed you? What like you? You said Blink One Eighty Two. Was that the first band that you saw? No. You so uh,
1: the, the, the f- my first love was very much this classic seventies punk. And what I felt like I was searching for something at sixteen. I felt like all through school I'd been very much following the rules. I was kind of like had a lot of kind of very mixed up Christian beliefs that were just like kind of vague. We'll just be nice to people and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it only ha- when I kind of went to college and I kind of got out of. Uh, this kind of school bubble I was meeting people with different ideas and backgrounds and taste of music and perspectives um, and I like did philosophy courses and uh, in New theatre we were doing like Kafka uh, and I kind of like really fell in love with lots of a wide spectrum of stuff that I'd never experienced before and one of those was punk and I was kind of looking for music I was looking for what Sounded right to me. And I think punk appealed because it was, it mattered and it meant something and it was immediate. And I was looking for something I could latch on and go, this is what I believe in, this is what I care about, this is what I give a shit about. Um, And, 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 and certainly, like those kind of, those 70s bands, like, have a kind of, they're, they're, defined as like oh they stood for this or they meant this um and and that's quite easy to look back in nostalgia and then i discovered more like of a modern scene which is more murky because it's much more um but with retrospect with nostalgia you can kind of define bands quite easier because they don't have a chance to speak for themselves anymore because yeah. like the clash become icons rather than people yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah so so yeah that was that was kind of my intro to so punk was just needing something to to find that mattered
0: so you you said the seventies band. and You named the mm. Clash. Was it was it the Clash or was it the Sex Pistols or was it damned? the Damned? It was
1: a it was a it was a fight between the Clash and Sex Pistols for a long time. But I think that uh, I do really love the the Pistols, and I take all the the arguments that they're like a boy band uh, and they're manufactured. Um, but like over time, the Clash won out because I think that the snotty snarly grudginess of the pistols is something that you love when you feel that angst but actually um and you know I still listen to them and love them but like uh, well the original obviously like now they, they, don't, they don't mean any of that anymore yeah. but I think that the, the clash won out because they were trying to be a bit more articulate and they were trying to be more experimental and playful and, and explore not only music but songwriting and how you approach being a big band but also keep DIY-ness so I think that like, that, the two, the, if in my head, there's lots of heads to punk, but like, there's the head that's the, the, the snarly, spitty, gobby, vomity, yeah, we like, fuck everything, destroy, like, um, anti commercial. And then there's the more, like, clashes, you know, the thinking man's, uh, <laughs> yob. What is the, what are they called? The, 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 um, the the thinking yobs bands i can't remember the phrase but like they were they were just like talking about things and i think that's what i took on and um lord knows that the you know they're not the most perfect band in the world and 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 ta- you can look back with time and say okay they they made these mistakes and they did that wrong but i think that they always try to have that we're going to put these thoughts into the world and that's yeah. what i kind of bring back to the poetry is like i go okay i learned a lot from the songs and i want to like talk about these topics and put that into practice and to put that into lyrics um and also experiment and actually like london calling is not really a punk album it's a massive spectrum of music like sandinista is 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 hardly any like what you could say is punk because like punk for them meant breaking outside of that mold um yeah, yeah. so yeah experimenting playing discovering exploring and challenging
0: so who was the person it was there a Pacific, was there like a friend who went Listen to this or was it just a chance that you listened to it on the radio or you was watching mtv or my mum that?
1: and dad always listened like dad was a massive blondie fan and my mum was a jam massive jam fan and she saw the clash as well as the jam and so they had like a best of the, uh, the clash best uh, story of the clash collection yeah there was a, a, a worst of punk collection that was like all the obvious ones that you need um so they had that kind of like Oh oh yeah I've heard of them I heard of that but like it was at York college popping over with a bit of spare money and buying like if the Clash or Sex Pistols or like a punk band were on the cover of Q or Mojo or um uh these other magazines and then Big Cheese as well like then I would I'd buy it and I like uh, went to car boot sales and bought just like any kind of stuff and this is also like uh, so, so I, I'm talking about 2004 2005 2006 and that's like the the kind of birth of like wikipedia and itunes and i genuinely think that had a massive influence that i had access to youtube and access to like reading web pages about these bands and i think a lot of my knowledge of the old school punk came from this um kind of whole world of documentation around it um and, and like watching documentaries um and and i remember um someone at uni a tutor who was like into punk from back in the day when i finally went to uni and he was said and he was like oh but that was my era of punk and i was like well it's mine as well and yeah. i felt i could claim ownership over the 70s and early 80s punk because like i'd kind of thrown myself into that world and obviously we're seeing the bands because they're all still touring because they're all very old and <laughs> fact, poor and, and uh, yeah. they've got
0: divorces to pay for yeah um <laughs> But yeah, I always, I always, you kind of said about ownership, and I always find that a weird thing, especially with punk music. I think Mm. it's particularly in punk where people claim a certain genre for their Mm. own. So, I don't know how old you are, but for for me, my punk era was the 90s with Mm. no effects, Green Day, Offspring Mm. were booming. But I also, as I've got older, I've now kind of moved away from that, and I'm, I'm more experiencing like the clash. Like, I was never a massive Clash fan when I was mm. into punk, like what's that? But obviously, when I, when I was in, in my teenage years, I, I, Clash was never in my mind. Mm. But like you said, with the, with YouTube and and, uh, uh, and social media, it, it opens up
2: mm.
0: uh, mass back catalogs that you can go. Holy fuck! Like they sound like the band that I I love. Mm. Like, what, that clearly was their inspiration. And what I also like of bands who are now getting their recognition, so like Def. I don't know if you the documentary. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not seeing the documentary, but yeah, I know about that, yeah.
0: So people who might not know, Def are basically a um, a band from Detroit who had the sound that would have become punk in the, early, in the early 60s. So punk in our world wasn't until mm. late 70s, uh, mid-70s. These guys were playing what would have become punk in Detroit, in, in, in the early 60s and they just happen to be free black guys as well and they're from a very much a funk background mm. so I love that idea that this band now are getting the recognition of mm. like they, they were making punk mm. so I, I just love it so I kind of took you off your
1: uh, but I, but I think that's but in terms of the, the ownership I think that um you connect with something in all art or music, you know, it's not just limited to punk, but you go, Oh, I, I get that, I connect with that, that's my world, and you claim ownership because you find a way in. And I think that's why um, uh, there's an amazing kind of movement around decolonized festivals and, and, and um, people of color playing music, and I think in punk genres, and I think that it helps that we give deaf a platform we'll talk about deaf rather than like it be consigned to the history books. It's it's relevant now and it's owned now and it's talked about now in the same way that um you know I can like really connect with um the lyrics of of, of loads of you know ska bands and punk bands um that are like, you know, twenty years before I was born mm. playing music um not 20 years 10 years (laughs) um but but that and that's like you find that connection and maybe more with punks it's more immediate and says this is how i feel about the world and this is what i want to say I guess I could posit an argument that you don't really get that with maybe like prog music because it's more about ideas and and it it doesn't have so much of the feeling but I'm sure a prog fan would beat me up for that (laughs) well I was actually
0: listening to uh, a couple of your poems on the way down and you made me chuckle about one of the lines of uh, prog fans what was it prog rock
1: is for Um, sorry um, punk rock is for orcs and prog rock is for elves yeah that made me chuckle Um, yeah I think that uh, it's obvious because they're absolutely massive like um Opposites. And yet at the same time, you know, like, um, fucked up released a, a concept album. Like, concept albums exist in punk. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's, it's, um, I, I think that punk is very much the genre that goes, um, here's a part of my fucking soul out there. Mm. Here's something of me. Even if it's a snotty part of my soul and it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's something why I'm never quite connected with those kind of 90s bands you mentioned like kind of no effects I, I kind of never quite got the the kind of sneeriness because I'm not that sneery guy I'm quite a, a polite introverted guy <laughs> um and I and I like to um talk about deeper ideas whereas I don't know like no effects is a party band and that's absolutely fine yeah. I'm not knocking them. but like there's there's the, but you connect because you go, oh, I lo- I love that kind of quirky uh, absurd funness that comes with bands like no effects and real big fish that I never quite clicked with until I kind of had to sit down and really really listen to them and find my way in and mm. have found that way in I do like those bands but like yeah that, that's a kind of different way of approaching it but what an amazing genre that punk is that there is a huge spectrum and there's some stuff in punk that I've only detest and I think is ridiculous and I can't believe that it we, we give it that name but I can't deny that it's still within the remits of what we what we believe
0: in 100% and um, I'm guessing we're talking about bands like Screwdriver and and bands that are very skinhead
1: orientated that do have kind of like, right wing um, beliefs and- yeah Gigi Allen as well yeah. I think that kind of destruct- for me punk is about being intelligent and talking about things and uh, and and as much as you know there's some oi bands I quite listen to they're kind of a guilty pleasure because yeah. at the end of the day like um, the whole thing is that like, oh you're a skinhead no more no less get down the pub be very masculine um, and, and, and tick these boxes of like you have to do this um, and the same for like a lot of crust stuff as well you could argue with anything but I think that I understand why Oi belongs in this spectrum of punk, but I don't quite understand. But, like, it's a million miles away from Susan and the Banshees or yeah. television or Talking Heads, but it's still within this massive spectrum, which is really interesting.
0: Well, I mean, I, I was having a debate with uh, a couple of friends. Uh, when, 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 we're, when I was starting out this podcast, I was like, OK, I want to talk to everyone who's a, who has some association with punk. Mm. And then my friend threw at me, well, what about bands like Chelsea and, and Screwdriver? Mm-hmm. Would you talk to them? Yeah. I was like well you know what actually I probably would because they do have their place in punk and also it would give me the opportunity to actually put questions to them mm. whereabouts I feel that I'm not promoting them I, I'm, I'm I'm pushing them and I'm trying to make them see mm a bigger picture of what punk probably is and what they probably think I mean, it there's is. There's a
1: massive kickback at the moment about um, snowflakes in punk and yeah. liberals in punk and, like, oh, why does punk have to... Like, the PC punk brigade. Why does punk have to have all these rules? It was just about mates. It was just about having fun. It was just about getting drunk. It was just about doing gigs. Now, why do you have to, like... Um, have all these additional rules that are associated with it? Which I think it's absolute bullshit because I think for me, punk is about challenging things and it's about finding a different way of doing stuff. And if and if your attitude to it is just um, is is just like just getting getting drunk, I don't know. I, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I'm looking for a more. I'm looking for talking about topics in the in the punk stuff and I'm looking for how it affects the world outside the gig and and also about like who's playing, who's got the agency, who's who's on stage. Um, and I, and I, I and and i don't when people say oh, like who cares if it's like an all male bat lineup who cares if it's all white like that's just the nature of it that's just that's the people into punk and that's the people that that make the music and 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 why worry about it but it does matter because it's about representation about different voices it was about whether in the 70s you're talking about um, working class people getting up and actually having a voice in amongst all this rock dinosaur bullshit that was happening, or whether it's about um, like women, like the Slits and Susie Sue and and um, polystyrene having a voice, or whether it's about um, black people um, in in kind of bands like this, the Scar Scene. That's all always been there. You cannot deny that that's been part of it. And now we're just talking more and more about having more queer people in bands, um, more people of colour that aren't necessarily from Jamaican and African heritage, but like open up these genres more. Or open up these discussions so we have a diverse scene rather than just like four skinhead blokes on stage singing f- f- 10 songs about going to the pub like yeah I, I get it great if you want that super but you know we'll all go to the pub anyway we don't need to hear songs about going to the pub <laughs>
0: And Christianity.
1: Yeah, it's such a va- like really vague in the sense that basically I was like, you follow the rules, you be a good person, and I've generally think that stuck with me. Like, I generally think that like you try and be a good person in the sense that you try and make a positive impact in the world. where my anarchism comes from is yeah. going like, don't be a dick, try and like um, uh, affect the world in positive ways, and try and be um, constructive. And I just kind of followed that through to secondary school of just like, oh, just be you know, be a good person, like follow the rules. So it wasn't like a family belief that you that you. No, no, it was it was just the kind of like imprint from primary school, like you say, the Lord's Prayer and you, yeah. do a, you do a hymn that's just there and no one enforced it upon me. It was it was just my own kind of anxieties around being a good person. You And I still get that you have to be a, a good person, you have to do the right thing. One one thing I always refer back to is I think about the Iraq War in 2003 and I remember at the time uh, I was about 14, 15 and, I, and like some schools in York um, walked out and they had a protest and they sat in the road and they blocked the streets and I remember being in Leeds um, and... Uh, just seeing a big march happen we didn't know the match was going to happen and just saw it and I remember it being around but I just remember at the end of the day going yeah but got weapons of mass destruction we're just going to war that's what's going to happen yeah. and shrugging and just accepting that, that was the the situation uh, and and i think that like what punk really helped me do was go actually let's just question these hierarchies let's just question that belief let's question what you think makes a good person let's question um these these assumptions these morals these ethics that we've got encoded within the dna of day-to-day life and i always regret that i, sh- I should have been on as much i should have been affected by it. i should have been moved by it and and um and that is just a constant reminder. Every time the the kind of anniversary comes around, every time there's a documentary about it, every one time people talk about it, to go like never again will I I not stand up for something that that at the time was absolutely justified, it was like absolutely was and 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 yeah. So that's 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 the moment.
0: But are you disappointed then being being passionate about punk and punk music that mm. during that time, especially even now, we've mm. gone through. Syria's going on, we, mm. what happened in Libya, what hap- what's going on in Iraq, still going on in Iraq, um, and, conser- and conservative government still mm. being in power, that there hasn't been that many politically-minded punk bands on the scene. It seems like everyone's been a bit like too scared or just not willing, not, not really giving a fuck.
1: I think there's two approaches to songwriting about it. I think there's a very obvious one, which is like, oh, fuck Tories, hate Tories, and then there's one which is a bit more like, um, exploring the topics a bit more and opening it up I think that um, there are loads of bands doing it I think it's massively in the underground and I and I would I mean Liar Liar got to number one but that was kind of a gimmicky specific thing like it it had a very specific like energy behind it of a, of a specific time and it was a feel good ska song rather yeah. than a punk song um, I think that Uh, the way the music industry is it wouldn't I think I'd be very surprised if another kind of political punk song managed to get up there like Ghost Town for example which is not a punk song but certainly comes from that world and um uh, I think that um the rise of Bandcamp and the, the 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 kind of more independent record labels, the more DIY. This meant that we kind of do it ourselves, and that's pro- that's a problem because it means we retreat into our own scenes. Yeah, we retreat into our own worlds. We we kind of uh, kind of preached converted a little bit, and and I'm yeah wondering how we go. Okay, so we have these scenes, we have these songs, we have this world, we have this anger, we have this passion. But then, but then how do we get it, get it out there? And, and I think maybe it isn't necessarily the music because the music isn't always going to be the most accessible thing and not everyone's going to want to buy a single, um, that is, uh, I, I, I can't imagine Autonomads or Atacop getting to number one with an anti-fascist song as much as I'd love, I'd love that. They're great songs, but they're not like bangers for the radio. But certainly the energy that they produce at gigs, the energy and the ideology and the the, the strength of the lyrics is an inspiration and is a talking point to then go out and go, OK, so this is how we oppose it and outside in the world and we play it on sound systems or we, we uh, encourage friends to listen to it or it... it, it, it bulks us up before doing whatever action we need to take.
0: So how is the scene then in in the area that we're in now York? Is there quite a thriving underground scene? Because Mm. in my mind, York is in a weird position where about, you haven't got Newcastle too far up, Mm -hmm. you've got Leeds quite close in Sheffield and Mm -hmm. I don't know if do bands kind of bypass York or...?
1: So, yeah, so we're, we're quite useful if bands need to do an extra date and they're doing Leeds or Newcastle <laughs> or Hull, then they can pop over and, and do do our little town as well. Um, the thing about York was what's absolutely amazing, what I love about this city, is that you could come here, you maybe move to the York or you turn up and be a student and you could go three years through the sea and you would just assume that it's just quaint and nice and peaceable and there's nothing really going on. But... If you just scratch the surface, you'll find loads of stuff happening. And it's the sort of thing where if I move to Manchester, I um but there's loads of stuff happening. The bands are always playing that. I can't, like, make a scene because yeah. it already exists. But if you came to York and you wanted to make something happen, you can make something happen. Obviously, you're not going to step on other people's toes. But you can... Uh, set up a club night you can set up a uh, a zine you can set up a band night because we have lots of little venues here and there we have like an interdispersed scene and it's never going to be like rammed um constantly rammed gigs of like um I tried to put on bands for for a while but I just couldn't make it work financially and that's that's something I take on myself and I blame the bands I was booking or the venues but I think that you it's it's very great example of how you can in these small towns make a DIY scene make something happen. A few examples is BGB are the like kind of put on the more hardcore grindcore type stuff and then they do like loads of big gigs with loads of bands that are really heavy and exciting and raunchy and um and and boozy and they're really good fun. And then there's, um, Young Fugs record label that have like a whole plethora of bands, and some of them are more garagey and some are more acoustic, but they've got like, um, a really cool band uh, called Dead Drummer, who I think everyone should check out. And then there's the um, seven-piece ska punk band called Magnificent Seven. So what happens is we we only have a small pool of bands, but um, places like the Fulford Arms really champion them. Uh, places like uh, Dusk are really accessible. Places like the Crescent are like booking really interesting stuff. And um, last night I was at a, a queer space night that had like a, a, a really cool queer band called uh, Seven. Um, seven Hour Darkness invasion, and so what you get is is rather than like loads and loads of bands constantly churning out bands and loads of venues and too much stuff and saturated, you get like little pockets of stuff happening that kind of sometimes stick to their own. Like I don't think like my problem was that some. There wasn't much crossover between the bands I was putting on and the audiences that would go to other nights. But you can make stuff happen, you can make it work. So that's quite rambly, but that's uh, my... So, so do happens.
0: you think that's happy? Because obviously you've travelled a lot around the country mm. and you've played towns like York where that's bands kind of bypassed them. So, bands, so areas I'm probably thinking of are places like... Um down in the southwest, mm. so like Yeovil or mm. if you go across uh, to Kent area, mm. bands don't really seem to go that sort of area. Mm. So do you, do you find when you're traveling those mm. kind of areas, do you find that there is kind of that under undercurrent of a scene like in York? You just need to find it.
1: I'll tell you a, a, a weird little example. It's not, it's not necessarily a punk one, but I think it's an interesting one, is that I did a gig in Skipton. Uh, which was a, a poetry night and it was... Sorry, just explain why Skipton... So Skipton is north of Bradford it's like, um, just before you get it's like kind of on the border between Lancashire and, and uh, Yorkshire it's kind of old, kind of sheep town um, uh, I don't want to say mill town like a kind of market town yeah. quite a rural place um, in the West Riding um, I've probably said a load of facts and people are like uh, actually <laughs> that's not the facts about Skipton but that's like in the back of my brain that's why I associate with Skipton um, so like very small little place and um I, uh, did my set and someone came up after me and was like, Oh, I, I grew up in Belfast and I went to this anarchist bookshop called Warzone and they put on like bands and they like printed zines and, and it was really political and it was a really engaging space. And the fact that like she just kind of like discovered this little open mind. Now it's kind of punky in that respect to go, actually, there are people all over that have quite what we'd say like radical views or like, Interesting views or dynamic views or diverse views. And you just assume that Skipton's this little sleepy market town. But actually, here was this woman that like grew up in this like anarchist bubble in, in, in Bradford during the eighties. And, and I think that it's always there if you can kind of find it. And if it's not there, I do believe you make it. And that's DIY that, you know, people say like, you know, I, I, don't know, I can't play like Led Zeppelin. I can't play like Hendrix or Pink Floyd. I can't even play like, you know, bands that are in the charts at the moment, but I can kind of do punk and that's okay because as long as you care and you want to make it happen, you do it and you get up and you create something and that's that's the exciting thing about punk rock. Politics clearly play
0: a part in, in your love of punk. Hmm. Can you remember a political song, a punk political song that you've gone, okay, like, that's given me tingles, that's that's inspired me, that's made me want to go to a march, that's made me hmm. want to start something?
1: The, the The song that I... I think it's probably like scraped its way to the top, slugged, slugged its way uh, all the way to the top spot is um, Pokemon City Limits by Onsend, van from Durham. And, the, and as much as I love Pokemon the song isn't about Pokemon um, you may think there's a Pokemon reference in it but it's a reference to Tetris I've All read right. the zines with the, <laughs> where they interview the band um, so the, the song is amazing the, the, the chorus is never trust a Tory they'll betray you when it matters they'll scramble to the top then they'll kick away the ladder never trust a Tory or a Tory in disguise you can see it when you look them in the eyes now um, that's really obvious and that's like quite simple and you could even imagine that coming from the lips of a of a kind of aggressive oi band yeah. but what is amazing is the way that onsins verses are um, about a um girl called Chelsea and the way that she remembers her grandfather being um uh, angry with uh, Lamont and Heseltine in the 90s. And, and the song is about her growing up and, and it's part of a larger album, Anesthesiology, which is kind of a concept album around this character and identity and mental health and being working class. And the song just has a story behind it, it has a tale, it has like a bit of character. And... You don't always find that in punk stuff because punk stuff isn't always about telling a tale. It's sometimes about just going, this is what matters and I'm being angry and I'm being in the moment. But I think what I love about that Onsin song is going, like, if you're going to talk about politics, you've got to talk about people. And that's what Joe Strummer always talked about was like it's 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 about us there's a there's a really naff scene in the film rude boy where like it's so set up but like he's explaining his ideology to this young punk and he says like i don't think it's about i go off and do my thing you do your thing i think we're people and we work together and that's something i try and talk to people when they have issues around like immigration or refugees and i said i don't think it's us and them i think we're all together i think we're humans together and that and the only way you do that is um maybe this is my kind of poetry and theatre background coming is you tell a story and you tell somebody about your life and your world and that's when you listen to um, the clash and it's a simple song but White Riot is about their experience of of black people rioting for their rights, for their for their lives in in, in the seventies. And you go, I'm that's an insight into that world.
0: Does punk play a part in, in your work that you do, your poetry? Mm. How much of an influence has it had in your poetry? Because you said that poetry and, and your love of word came before you discovered punk. Mm. Looking back at some old, old poems, I don't know if you've ever kept mm. a book, whether mm-hmm. you're writing, do you look back at them and go, well, oh, this is nothing well, who I am now, now I've discovered mm. punk?
1: Well, it was John Cooper Clarke, like, who I was like, well, I'm into punk, I need to discover all this stuff. And there was Can you like... explain who John Cooper So John Cooper Clarke is. Clark is the Bard of Salford. He is um, a stick-fin rake, stick rake figure with a frizzy bob of hair, um, always wears sunglasses and a suit, and in the 70s, um, his Spitfire verse that was, like, incredibly fast, incredibly surreal, incredibly, like... Um, groundbreaking was um, he used supported bands like the Pistols and Buzzcocks and The Fall and Joy Division and he uh, was part of that kind of Manchester scene and he kind of gained notoriety for just being like this and, and what I love about actually just to say it's like punk in the 70s and 80s you would go to a gig and you'd see a poet a comedian, some like strange live artist act as well as the bands and um, that obviously doesn't really exist anymore but I la- always like to push that and put poets on with bands but anyway so John Cooper Clark has this kind of um punky uh, uh attitude like um delivery and he kind of like fitted really well into that alternative scene um so i was like oh like i like punky stuff and i want to write some poetry so i wrote a poem absolutely ripping off john cooper clark called post need to creature um, and i started doing like these kind of short snappy fast little john cooper clark stuff and it was it took a few years to kind of discover my own voice and style um, but what i loved about John Cooper Clark but it was about the performance the liveness the immediacy that he's getting up there and he's and and it's like raw and that's not just in punk stuff there's you know poets like Gil Scott Heron and Benjamin Zephaniah Linton Kwesi Johnson um and like um uh, loads of, like, kind of 60s beat poets still had that. It's not unique to punk. But certainly that was my way in of going, I want to do what punk bands are doing, but with poetry. Um, and so that's what I bring to it, is I try and do, like, the, the, the poetry is immediate and raw. It's not so shouty. I don't necessarily think it's ranty. Like, a lot of people make comparisons when they say, oh, punk poetry must be like a Attila the Stockbroker, who's another 80s poet, or John Cooper Clarke. And I'm like, well my delivery's nothing like them and my style's nothing like them um, at all. Um, but I'm still part of this world of punk and DIY. Um, and so I bring that kind of energy to it. Um, and I think that's... I'm really happy to sit neatly... in. As I say I don't want to say this is unique to punk um, because there's loads of poets that come from hip hop backgrounds that have exactly the same ideology that go this is about the, the nowness and the immediateness and the liveness and the poets that come from neither background that still make amazing stories but that's what I've come my punk stuff is going uh, and also it fits really nice into you know the Ramones setup of like just say it in two and a half minutes like just crack on like why why do we need to like go on too, too long and that and I really like that about slam poetry and performance poetry. And sometimes it's too limiting. And I love writing longer stuff. And I've written like ten minute poems. I've written five minute poems. I've written a sixty minute show. But like, I do still sometimes go back to the like, it's cool. You've got you've got three minutes. That's what slam is. In a slam, you've got three minutes maximum. So you've got to just, you've got to say what you need to say in that time. You can't waffle on.
0: So is slam poetry kind of like? Is it just you on the stage or are you battling
1: someone? No, it is it's it is a competition, uh, yeah. but you're not against a person. So um, you do your bit to the audience and there's different setups, different styles. Um, so the organisation I run called Say Out, um, We our setup is um, you have three minutes from the, the moment you say anything on stage um, and you'll get points deducted if you go over three minutes. Um, the audience judge, so we have five judges in the audience and they give you a score between... One and ten, they give me decimal points. So it's competitive, and that gives it, and people don't like that, you know, people don't have issues with that, and I, you know, I can talk fucking hours about the. The, the problematicness around that that setup but what it does mean is people are in it to win it they bring a bit of energy they bring that passion they bring that spirit they're trying to connect with an audience trying to impress the audience sometimes it means they just go for like willy jokes because that's funny and sometimes they go for like quite obvious politics because people go oh they've just said something really important about politics can't give them less than a nine because then i'd seem like i don't <laughs> i don't like the the topic they're talking about but it certainly does mean that there's there's a rawness to it which poetry desperately needs and and one of the best things is when, you know, people come to the night or see me perform or any poet perform and they're like, oh, I'm, a I'm not that keen. And they go, Oh, wow, like, I like that. And that's because they connect with it. They connect with the stories, they connect with the energy, they appreciate the energy, respect the energy. Um, and, and, and they're saying things that matter to their lives or they're saying things that they, or at the very least go, I don't understand what you've been through, but I really appreciate you sharing that. I, you know, that's why I love watching queer poets and, and poets of color and, and disabled poets, uh, And doing their stories and you go I've got an insight into your world because that's a sharing of a story Um, and and the whole thing is I remember my mate saying you know if David Cameron when he was at Eton had done more drama lessons when he got to listen to other people's stories, act other characters think about other characters' shoes would he be such a butcher of people in his austerity measures and, and i love the way and,
0: you use butcher them just because it's pig oh yeah
1: that as well <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think that there is a a renaissance of poetry at the moment especially in the mainstream because of scurris pip
3: i ain't gonna take it no more i ain't gonna take it no more i ain't gonna stand idly by while the bridal reply of a marriage of stars is yeah but what's their demographic i ain't gonna take it no more i ain't gonna take it no more I ain't gonna stand idly by with a tut and a sigh while inside we all cry out for something new. I ain't gonna take it no more, I ain't gonna take it no more. Soulless music, artless lyrics, goalless movements, heartless gimmicks, controlled and clueless, careers lasting a minute. If this is the big life, well I ain't looking to live it. We ain't pushing the boundaries, we're blowing them up. We ain't trying to expand the scene, we want the scene to erupt. So make some room on the floor and somebody bolt the doors. Because tonight, we ain't seeking applause. Tonight, well, gee. Just want to have some good new fashion fun, y'all.
0: find that there has been the case do you think there has been a new audience of people wanting to get involved in poetry
1: yeah absolutely I think it's a little bit similar to what happened with stand-up a few years ago Is like you, you say right um, uh, I'm going to go to see a play I'm going to go see a film I'm going to go to a gig Oh, I might go see a stand-up comedian and now you have those options and go I might go to a poetry night and I think that there's loads of nights that have really it's, there's art, there's artists as well, you know. There's the Pip and the Kate Tempest and the Mark Grists, But there's organisations that have really pushed that in their liveness, like um, Banks said, the Gun in London, where like it was like I'd leave with a headache because it was such a loud, energetic night. And that's what we try and do with South is go. It's a it's a fucking good night. Like you come along, it's seven quid, kick off half seven, you'll leave buzzing and you'll have heard load of poets and we've got a guest in that's amazing and we'll give you some stuff and you and it's a it's a it's a night of variety and it's a night of energy and as much as like you know we want to doff the hat to people that are doing amazing work and going viral and these artists it is about scenes and it's about communities and making spaces where people want to share and excited to share and excited to listen as well so yeah i think there's a, a massive burgeoning scene
0: can you remember the first time that you you stepped out from your bedroom and decided actually i'm gonna do this in public Mm. can you remember that time and also how were you nervous because the idea of rejection Mm. for any human being is the i think everyone's worst fear
1: i'm a kind of like introvert extrovert so i like i'm an only child and i think that's really affected my world and i like my own space and i like my bedroom and i like my own little universe but um i do also like to perform i went to youth theatre the York theatre royal and I had some amazing, amazing tutors um, and teachers and you facilitators and directors, um, especially when I want a plug called Sarah Brigham. Uh, Sarah was uh, a working class lass from Hull that was really passionate about making really good art and really good theatre. And it did, you know, to me, young people and youth theatre are the the punkest of all the art forms because it's a sector that's marginalised, pushed aside, always the first ones to get cut. Like, no one's interested in going to see that, but make amazing, incredible work with young voices. And Sarah was really amazing at that. And um, I just want to plug her because she has a a rare form of cancer at the moment, which is like one in a million, and she has to raise £60,000. To get that treatment. So if you look for Brig Aid, then if you want to chuck some money towards that cause, that'd be cool. Link when we're done. Um, Blog, blog, blog. I just had to do my bit. Um, (laughs) So, so I was always like, loved like performing as well. But I knew I didn't want to be an actor. And that's what I loved about UFA was it wasn't just about acting. It was about doing ensemble stuff. It was about doing choral stuff. It was about doing not necessarily like here's your here's your script and here's your character. It was also about devising. So I knew i wanted to do some kind of getting up on stage and performing and john cooper clark rocked up into my life and uh, i went to the big Fitter festival and did a poem at the open mic for the first time and it wasn't necessarily that nerve-wracking because i was used to getting up and performing um but it was certainly um new and exciting and different and unusual and i think um i still when i say not nerve-wracking i mean it i it wasn 't unfamiliar. I still get very nervous about things and nervous about lots of things Obviously, like you know you, you should because if you 're not nervous then it doesn 't matter it's, you know but um but I remember that because it was a really nice space that was really open to people doing different things that and that wasn 't just music and then I went to open mics in York and uh, there was a feeling of like, oh, you're not going to play guitar, that's a bit unusual, um, but that's totally changed over the years and actually spoken words a lot more normal to hear at open mics and and I think that um, the more the more that like poets can step out and have a go at, at music open mics and music open mics can make it more accessible, then the more um, that we can bring poetry more to people and that's really nice.
0: You said that you, you started your own um, performance uh, nights called uh, Say Out, but you've also performed in front rooms and mm-hmm. festivals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What kind of environments do you actually really enjoy and get more of a vibe from performing at? And also, I don't know, if it, like, if do you deal with heckles as well? The heckles thrown at you, these kind of
2: shows?
1: No, well, I, I really like shows like um, the the front room, for example, was um, the uh, Trouser f- uh, Flapping Manor down in... Bristol used to put on house shows and stuff, so I love those ones. I love, I, I love it when audience get that you're doing some poetry and spoken word. Uh, a couple examples: I did a show in Warrington, and um, I was the only poet on the lineup. And everyone was really complimentary and came up and like shut my hand. And one guy bought a book and they enjoyed it. But I think they didn't quite know how to respond to spoken word. It's obviously fine. It's just you don't really see that often in these kind of spaces and scenes. So I like it when people are really up for it, and that does tend to be like more poetry audiences. And I love playing. I love like playing with the mic. I love like going off script. I love improvising. I love being a bit messy and a bit slapstick and a bit and a bit, a bit unruly. And that's really punky. And I love and, and I love like. Curating a bit of chaos and never quite knowing what's going to happen. I don't really get hecklers because I don't think people don't really know how to take it. So I think they are like... And again, I don't, you know, I don't do like comedy sets or anything so I am doing it in safe spaces where I don't expect heckles. People just kind of fold their arms or talk at the back. But um, I did actually think I was like oh, I'll learn a John Cooper Clark poem and if someone ever heckled me and went, oh, if you're a punk poet, do a John Cooper Clark poem and I'd just be able to go bam, straight away. I'm already a monster out of space and just do it right in their face. Um, but I love ones where, like, the audience are, like, up for it. I feel like that's really important to, like, do it to audiences that don't expect it, because they're, like, learning, but, like, it does feel like I'm, like, an emissary for the genre. It's like, I've come to your world, and I will do this for you, and you will kind of clap and nod and go, OK, that was really good, <laughs> and, Oh, that was fine. Um, but I like the ones where we can kind of be more playful, and that's what we've built at Sayout is people absolutely come expecting a kind of spoken word night and, and, and up for some stuff. Oh, shit, oh
0: that we should encourage people to to get more into poetry. So what what would you say is that typical question of how would you encourage someone who who probably isn't really mm. doesn't doesn't believe that they could do mm what you do in spoken word, doesn't have the confidence, Mm. might be in a band and thinking, Mm. well, actually, you know what? Mm. I can write music, but I just don't know how to make that leap from band to spoken word.
1: Absolutely no harm in just going along as an audience member. I think that there's, um, especially if it's someone that does play a band that is already artistic, that has a collection of poems under their belt, you don't have to get up and perform. And, And actually, I'd say a night that is a bit, is a kind of like... Uh, too encouraging and a bit shamey in people doing it isn't doing it right, I think it is about the audience and just go and enjoy it, just just check it out just suss it out, uh, I acknowledge that not all poetry nights are good, like some are a bit boring, I'm not going not gonna to lie and I'm not going to say that you'll turn up to one and it'll be the mo- it'll be perfect um, and that, in that respect you can always set your own up it's kind of what happened with Sal, is we were like we want something that's a bit more raucous than the other nights are happening not knocking the other nights in York, that sounds like I am
0: I crudely texted you asking if you, if you had any poetry that you would like to yeah. Uh, end with, and I thought it would be quite nice if we, if we could end with something.
1: Yeah. Um, cool, so this is called Buffy DVDs. A calf can feel the tangle in a heart, see adjust the tightness of a scarf. She checks that no one seems to be in, gives Hannah a look and a nod, and so they begin. Let rip with the spray, solid hiss, black-gloved ensnared, balled up fists, and before they make their getaway, they stand back and admire the bright purple A. Hannah grabs the sex doll roughly tied to the lad's garden wall and this simple act feels like finally being on the counterattack. and Hannah says through her scarf if you want to start a revolution you start feeling human stop acting like property and you'll never be stolen or well, the campus just typed and talked about overreaction and militant force and Kath was so bluntly, oh, "Theft is theft, but it didn't make her feel any less depressed when every single advert tells her how to look and love or the bulls who banter words thick like clubs or the wolves at the bar who prowl out for blood or the bouncer who said, Calm down, love so she accepts tablets like tiny pocket sanctuaries her and hannah set aside sunday and they watch buffy dvds Hannah's stitches still hurt instead of resting she's been up all night debating with a bunch of boring predictable gits who hide behind emoticons and clicks obsessed with the whereabouts of her dick but she always types if you want to start a revolution you start feeling human stop acting like property and you never be stolen no, Calf is driving, shoe pedal floor, their escape route, the North Yorkshire moors. so ice cream loud than the sirens of the pursuing police, so Hannah reaches and retrieves their favourite mix C D. Car stops income cops, music plays and it rocks. Hannah says her wheezing breath with a copper on her chest. If you want to start a revolution, you start feeling human, you stop acting like property, and you never be stolen. And Caff never dared believe she'd allow herself to feel this scared. But we all feel that grip tighten, but we can all sing louder than silence. <laughs>
0: Thank you to Henry for giving up his time and for being so nice and kind and warm and welcoming, like for most northerners. You can check out that poem that Henry just read you as well as hundreds of others in a book that he's written called Nerd Punk, available on Etsy. Just search Henry Rabby in Etsy's search bar and you'll find it. You can also follow Henry on Twitter and Facebook if you like. Uh, uh just one thing before we leave, I just want to quickly talk about a band dies to love when I was younger in my teens a band called test icicles sadly one of their members um one of the former members sam passed away and it seems like he might have died by suicide um with a after dealing with depression if you are feeling blue or if you're feeling a little off and you're not sure why talk to someone uh go talk to a friend if you're also feeling like i did when i was going through depression that my friends why would i want to talk to my friends i've they've all got their own shit to deal with trust me they they will want to talk to you your friends are there for you good friends are there for you um so don't be don't feel like you're piling your own misery on top of them you're not they're there to help if you don't feel like you want to open up to your friends there's charities like the samaritans in the uk and if you live outside the uk then do a little google you can find a charity in your region But if you do feel like you are down and you don't understand why, do talk about it. Don't hold it in. There are people out there to help you and people do give a fuck. People do care. Anyway, I just wanted to use this. I mean, I've got a podcast. So why wouldn't I use this platform to encourage people to seek help and find help? Because people give a shit and there are people there who can help you. Um. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm not going to do the social media rant this week. You get a week off. But... Something that doesn't change is the fact that every week I give you the opportunity to play out your music to end this podcast. Uh, this week we have a band from Sweden. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce their name because it would just be an insult to them. This band called Black Anemone. This track is called Banks of Roses. Thank you for them bringing their music into my world. Thank you to you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you are going to a punk show, don't forget... If you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Thank you again, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks.
4: Bye bye! On the banks of the roses, my
2: love and I sit down. When I took out my good old rope
4: to play the love of in the middle of the June, Lord, she smiled and she said, Oh, Johnny, love you, Johnny, don't you leave me. Oh, to play